Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Triangles Meditation Group. Today is February 22nd, 2021. Uh, we come together each Monday at this time to work together with a meditative visualization to support and strengthen the planetary network of triangles. And this network, as most of you know, is composed of etheric substance, energy, cells, and we work together to do a very esoteric work of transmuting the present system of triangles, uh, of squares, excuse me, which um, underlies the network at this time to transform it into a network of triangles. The square being reflective of the personality self, whereas the triangle is reflective of the soul. So we come together as souls to transform the network into a reflection of that soul. And we also come together to introduce this work to people who are new to it and to aid them in the forming of triangles. So if after participating in this webinar, you feel that you might like to commit, and it is a commitment, it's a really a lifetime commitment if you so choose, you can put your name into the chat box and find two other partners who would be willing to work together with you each day to link in thought and prayer and establishing lines of lighted loving communication, visualizing a triangle, and then linking your triangle with all the other people who are working in triangles throughout the world, and then sounding a world prayer known as the Great Invocation, which is used to distribute and circulate the energies to all open hearts and minds. And so the work only takes a few minutes each day and it can therefore be fit into even the busiest of schedules. So again, if you'd like to, to form a triangle, put your name in the chat box. And if you'd like to find out more, you can go to our website, uh, triangles.org. Today, after our meditation, we're happy to welcome back Maria Christina Donadu from Tucson, Arizona in the United States. And Maria Christina is a longtime co-worker in our work. She's had a, what we call a unit of service uh, since the 1990s. Uh, units of service are people who are affiliated with this work, not necessarily just triangles, but the work of Lucis Trust, who have small groups all over the world who come together at different times. Some meet each month at the full moon, at the new moon. Some meet weekly for studying the books. Uh, and Marie Christina has been carrying this work forward with her group for a long time. And she also works quite well um, with bridging between cultures in her community. And she's been doing that as well for many years. So we look forward very much to hearing from Marie Christina. And I also wanted to announce that on Wednesday this week, we will be having our Goodwill Meditation webinar on Wednesday at 12 noon in New York. And we encourage as many of you to join and participate in that meditative visualization in the support of Goodwill throughout the world. And then also Lucis Trust on Friday will be holding our Pisces full moon meditation in our three headquarters. And here in New York, that will be at 6.30 on Friday. So we hope you can join us for that as well. So now as we do each week, let's come together for a meditative visualization. Let's visualize the planet as a sphere of lighted energy.
and visualize within that sphere a triangle composed of the three primary planetary centers. Shambhala, the planetary head center, the hierarchy, the planetary heart, and humanity, the planetary throat center. Visualize the energies circulating in all directions around this triangle, merging and blending the three points, filling the triangle with light. Superimposed upon that triangle, visualize a five-pointed star. This is the star of the world teacher, linking east and west, past and present, radiating energy of love wisdom. At each point of the spot star, the sphere of his activity stands an outpost of his consciousness, the five planetary centers. Visualize the energies radiating forth from the center of the star out through the five points. London. Darjeeling. New York. Geneva, Tokyo, visualize these outpouring energies enlivening small groups gathering everywhere, aiding them to focus and direct the energies into the consciousness of all humanity, solving its problems, creating right human relations, restoring peace on earth. Project a rainbow bridge of energy towards the spiritual hierarchy and sound the mantra. Radiance, we are and power. We stand forever with our hands stretched out, linking the heavens and the earth, the inner world of meaning and the subtle world of glamour. We reach into the light and bring it down to meet the need. We reach into the silent place and bring from thence the gift of understanding. Thus with the light we work and turn the darkness into day.
So as we enter into the final phase of our annual zodiacal cycle with our entry into the sign of Pisces, we know that we have a rich and highly spiritual energy with which to work. Pisces takes from all the signs, not to hold for herself, of course, but to give forth the many jewels that are offered through the Pisces experience. It was only understood in the last century, intuited by the British astrologer, Alan Leo, that Neptune was actually the ruler, uh, the primary ruler of this sign of the world savior. So Neptune now passing through this energy field since 2010 and will continue and remain in this sign until 2025, it seems a clear indication that this final phase of the stage of the forerunner, a 65-year period, which began in 1965 and continues on until 2025, this final phase has been really blessed by this energy of Neptune in its home sign. And we're told that Neptune distributes the energies of Pisces for all humanity. And we consider humanity therefore as the world disciple. So it's really up to the uh, new group of world servers who are the ones best suited to tune into this Neptunian energy of the Christ, because really that is the planet most closely associated with the world teacher called by many names in different world traditions. And it is his aura that pours into human consciousness stimulated by the great Neptune that is causing underneath all of the outer stirring um, a tremendous influx of spiritual energy and of awakening, which we see all around us. So Marie Christina chose for her theme to talk about, I think under my inspiration actually, uh, the theme of glamour. But also she decided to speak on glamour and initiation. And we know that these topics are interrelated to one another because prior to the taking of any initiation, which is really an expansion of consciousness, there has to also be a dealing with or an ability to confront the personality at the stage which the members of the human kingdom are. They have to face, we have to face those aspects of our personalities which are still under the veil of illusion, glamour and maya, um, keeping us trapped within those fogs and mists but the initiatory opportunity with which we're presented um, takes us to a borderland, the Tibetan calls it, where we're hovering on a borderland of revelation. So we're preparing for an expansion of consciousness and there's three ways we can go. We can either refuse, um, to move forward into the period of revelation and fall back into the miasma and the fogs and mists of the personality. Or we can choose to move forward into the light. Or we can stay in the middle ground in a state of confusion, being pulled back and forth between the two energies. And so during this period in planetary history, it behooves all of us um, to deal with our glamours because that's what's holding us back. That's what's keeping us trapped and imprisoned. So the Tibetan um, 
he gives us some hints as to how to deal with our glamours. He says that there are three primary qualities of thought that primarily condition us. He gives specific meditative techniques on how to combat these glamours in our lives, techniques for individuals and techniques for groups. But most importantly, it's really about cultivating new attitudes of mind. And so I'd like to just uh, read the attitudes of mind that need to be overcome so that we can therefore um, deal with our glamours more effectively. So he gives us three primary. And he says that if we deal with these and perhaps using this energy of Pisces, which is also related to death under the other planetary influence of Pluto, we can work effectively with that um, ability to do away with non-essentials and clear the decks so that by the time of the Aries full moon, the Taurus full moon and the Gemini full moon, the three spiritual festivals of the higher interlude, we will be able to do so with a freer consciousness. So the three steps, attitudes that need to be overcome are number one, self-pity. And he says that disciples being super sensitive people are naturally um, prone to having difficult lives, which can then lead them into thinking that um, they need a lot of pity for their, but the Tibetan says that um, this only leads to isolation for undue self-interest. And the next one is the spirit of criticism. And he says, this is one of the primary glamours that hardly any disciples are truly immune from. And he states that when harmlessness and kindness in thought and word are practiced and automatically become a part of the disciples daily life expression, then glamour will end. And he says, primarily this glamour hinders our ability to see others clearly, to see them as they really are, free from our own criticisms. And the third, and he says, the most poisonous of all is the glamour of suspicion. And he says, this is usually the mo most false. It's unfounded, but it's capable of poisoning the very roots of being distorting all attitudes of life and bringing into activity the creative imagination. So he says, how do we end this power in our lives? He says, three points. By assuming the attitude of the onlooker, which sees all people and happenings through the lens of love. By leaving others free to live their own lives, shoulder their own responsibilities. Simply give them love and understanding. And the third way to tackle suspicion is by the fullness of our own lives of service, which leaves little or no time for these hours of suspicion. So with those thoughts in mind, let's work together in our meditation work. Group fusion, link in thought as a soul, as a point of love and light with all those people throughout the world who are working with this triangle's meditation group.
projectile bridge of lighted energy towards the highest center of Shambhala and sound the affirmation of the will together. In the center of the will of God, I stand. Not shall deflect my will from his. I implement that will by love. I turn towards the field of service. I, the triangle divine, work out that will within the square and serve my fellow men. Using the creative imagination, link with two other points of light to create a triangle of light. Visualize the triangle in which you are working as an essential part of the Radiant Worldwide Triangles Network. Hold the consciousness immersed within the light of the group soul, the heart of love which underlies and infuses the network. Now lift your consciousness to the world teacher who stands as the heart of love at the center of the spiritual hierarchy and also at the heart of each triangle. Visualize the energies of love, light, and goodwill circulating in and around the Triangles Network.
Visualize these energies unifying and eliminating all divisions within humanity, healing and transforming human consciousness, establishing right human relationships. Building a bridge again of lighted energy towards the spiritual hierarchy, we sound the mantra of unification. The souls of all are one, and I am one with them. I seek to love, not hate. I seek to serve and not exact due service. I seek to heal, not hurt. Let pain bring due reward of light and love. Let the soul control the outer form and life and all events and bring to light the love that underlies the happenings of the time. Let vision come and insight. Let the future stand revealed. Let inner union demonstrate and outer cleavages be gone. Let love prevail. Let all people love. Visualize the whole planet, a light with triangles. See new triangles being formed everywhere. Prior to sounding the great invocation, let's pause to consider the work that will be done by the words as they're poured out. And as we repeat each stanza, let's visualize the network acting as a link between the world of spiritual realities and humanity, as a channel through which light and love and divine purpose may flow into human consciousness. from the point of light within the mind of God. Let light stream forth into human minds. Let light descend on earth. From the point of love within the heart of God. 
let love stream forth into human hearts. May the coming one return to earth. From the center where the will of God is known, let purpose guide all little human wills. The purpose which the masters know and serve. From the center which we call the human race, let the plan of love and light work out and may it seal the door where evil dwells. Let light and love and power Restore the plan on earth. Thank you, everyone. Now I'd like to welcome Marie Christina. Hello, Marie Christina. Hello. Thank you, Kathy. Thank you for being with us. We look forward to hearing your presentation. Oh, it's wonderful that so many of us gather so faithfully. The simple work of triangles initiated by the Tibetan has an exceedingly deep purpose. He knows that the function of triangles, and I quote, is in reality to facilitate the work of distributing the pure incoming love energy, expressing itself as light and as goodwill and emanating from the cosmic astral plane through the heart of the sun and into the hierarchy and humanity. He then goes on to note, another aspect of the work by the master is the drawing off of those phases of glamor which no longer have the power to deceive mankind, humanity. They are not allowed to accumulate or to remain upon the astral plane. Just as we are given the opportunity to work with triangles, so too we may participate in this dispersal of the deceptions, illusions, misunderstandings and misinterpretations, which we call glamor and which hinder our striving towards unity. Of critical import, the dissipation of glamour on the emotional realms must be done through the use of the illuminated mind, work requiring a mental focus. Many of us recognize that we all lead glamorous lives in a veritable sea of glamour, illusion, 
and consequent Maya. Kathy mentioned three, but the Tibetan often will refer to the most pride, cruelty, fear. Oh. But although not are called to work in this way with a dispersal, dispersal of planetary glamour, yet we are each called to dissipate our personal glamours. And in doing so, we contribute to the emotional ambience of humanity, to the purification of the astral realms in which we participate and contribute to the, the mere reflection, becomes a mere reflection of the underlying presence of love. The Tibetan has given us an entire book on the techniques we may employ in the dissipation of glamour. First and foremost, the use of our discriminative powers of observation, taking the stance of observer on the mental planes, observer before serving. This impersonal stance is required in order to simply recognize and define glamour or illusion or maya. Some pervasive rampant glamours are today being widely recognized and identified by a groundswell of humanity, even if as yet remaining terribly susceptible to them. There's a recognition by many that the separativeness today being experienced is undesirable. This divisiveness is evoking a cry for unity, for unity in diversity from within local communities on through to the international community. Criticism, another widespread glamour, known in today's parlance as the name blame, name blame game, identify. And it's recognized as leading into unproductive bypaths. Criticism must give way to impartial analysis with inclusive understanding then becoming possible. And today, our rampant acquisitiveness is popularly challenged with the familiar words calling us to live simply that others may simply live, indicating a shift away from the thraldom of materialism. There's many more subtle glamours which could easily be considered virtues. Devotion, when misplaced, leads to an undue stimulation of the astral body. You just see one idea, one person, one authority, and one aspect of truth. Meaning, fanaticism and spiritual pride. Rather, we are to dedicate ourselves to the love of Ishvara, the cosmic Christ resplendent in the heart of each of us. The little treatise, The Light of the Soul, gives insight into another common glamour, the glamour of spiritual ambition or personal ambition, enjoining us to grow as the flower grows, unconsciously, but eagerly anxious to open your soul to the eternal. But it must be the eternal that draws forth your strength and beauty, not desire of growth. For in the one case, you develop in the luxuriance of purity. In the other, you harden by the forcible passion for personal stature. And lastly, I would mention the glamour of duty, which can lead to an overemphasis of responsibility. Words from the book, A Treatise on White Magic, come to mind. There we are encouraged to ride lightly in the saddle, to take the plan seriously, to take the work seriously, but not to take our little earnest self so terribly seriously and develop a sense of humor, able to laugh at ourselves and with others. Others glamours galore, individual, national, global pervade our world. And it's heartening that there's many who today are endeavoring to master the emotional body through analytical thought endeavoring to bring the light of mind to bear on the waves of emotional reactions that are so prevalent. 
And for some, there's not only the discipline of the widespread physical disciplines needed today, it's just, there's not only the felt need for mental clarification of the miasmas of the emotional realm, but also a felt necessity to develop the meditative mind. With a foundation of heart, the meditative mind rises into the illuminating light of the soul. In the words of the Tibetan master, only mental control plus true spiritual perception will suffice to pierce these illusory, illusory astral miasma. We live in epic times, times of planetary initiation, including not only the human kingdom, but the realm of hierarchy and the lower kingdoms of nature as well. Humanity as a whole is said to be taking the first initiation, working to overcome the thraldom of the physical plane, the pandemic, the economic crisis, and ecological concerns are issues recognized encompassing the entirety of the human family, requiring global solutions and instilling global disciplines. We are all in it together and there is cause to celebrate as so many respond with an opening of heart. The heart of humanity awakens. Thank you. Thank you so much, Marie Christina. Very thought provoking comments. And before we open it up to the wider group, I just wanted to ask you a couple of questions. I, I know that, um, I guess we can start our videos here. Uh, start videos. Yeah. Oops. If you want to turn on your video. I have, let's see. Okay. There you go, yeah. I know that you've worked a lot um, in your own life with the techniques offered by the Tibetan to combat glamour. And I wondered if you can share from your own personal experience any of the, the benefits or the achievements or the failures that you've had in working with glamour in your own life? Well, failure for starters is a glamour. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it certainly experienced glamour and leading to humility, really. I, I would have to say I was thinking about this and, you know, the need for humility and not to take yourself too seriously, to take the work seriously. Um, because when we're working personally, you can dedicate that work itself to humanity. I mean, none of our glamours are personal. I mean, we take them really personally, but but they're recognized in others. So as we work in this way, we do can contribute, we can consciously um, offer it as a service. And conversely, really, when if you're dealing with, if you think you're gonna deal with the dissipation of world glamour, the only thing that enables you to work with world glamour is that you recognize it, you resonate with it. And that gives you the ability to work. You know, that's why we are valuable in this work. So that, um, anyway, it can be pretty freeing, I would say, in some times when you get a little clarity, it, there is liberation. That's so nice. I also know that you're in your work as part of a unit of service in Tucson that you've been dedicated for many years to 
distributing the great invocation. Yes. Uh, and you also have worked with a full moon group. Um, and I wondered, oh. and you've promoted World Invocation Day. And I oh, wonder if you could share any of the work, any of that work with you. And could you move your camera a little bit? Yeah, there you go. There you go. Oh, oh there we go. Okay. Um, well, I'll just focus. We've been working since the nineties and I'll focus on the distribution of the great invocation because um, it's something so familiar that um, I recall a companion saying, oh yeah, I used to do that. And it is so, so critical because it really, um, the Tibetan says it's aligning humanity with the work of hierarchy. It's part of that massed intent and you can have, I know people who use it both on the left, on the right, across divides, let us say. Yeah. And it can reach out to here, we've done much distribution, um, not only with, you know, uh, mainstream, be it um, church groups or new age groups, but also on the reservations. Um, and that's been, you know, a joy that the, the Navajo reservation one time, a little story is, had it uh, published in one of their two newspapers and then the other newspaper picked up picked it up for free and distributed it as well. So anyway, that was kind of cool. And have you found a lot of receptivity to the invitation? <gasps> Absolutely. I carry it in my purse, I have to say. <laughs> and sometimes just, you know, you can just give it out to people and you have a very, I mean, there's a spiritual hunger. There's a need for spiritual renaissance. Yeah. There's a need for that spiritual focusing of humanity so that we can indeed align. The, 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 the great invocation is said to be used all the way on through from men and women of goodwill to aspirants, to disciples, to those within the ashram, to the higher levels of hierarchy, to those greater masters have been used for thousands of years and only now feel that uh, we're capable of kind of handling it. Where does he look? Oh, here's, I want to say this. He says, look for the underlying abstract idea in this invocation as stepping stones for abstract thought. Yeah. So anyway, that was my rant. <laughs> well, thank you so much for sharing that. And now with the little bit of time we have left because we wanna save a few minutes at the end. I asked Maria Christine if she would guide us in a, a brief visualization and alignment. Minutes is brief, okay. Yes. <laughs> Can you read the chat box or do you want me to look at that? Can you? Oh, let's see. One can imagine how true it is that observation from a high point on the mental plane dispels glamour. We are so unaccustomed to seeing things just as they are, seeing the world as coded is, simply seeing what is in our past thoughts. Yes, we look through our illusory construction of what we call the self, always interfering and preventing us from having a true and fresh look at the world. Thank you. Yes, I mean, we look out through our auras. <laughs> yeah, there was a, a famous phrase. There was a famous phrase that I always heard from Foster Bailey, which said, we all see each other through the back half of our own aura. <laughs> yeah, that's, oh, I like that one. I'll remember that one, through the back half. Back half of our own aura. 50, you know, I'm 100% responsible for my half. Eliminating glamour starts with mind control and eliminating those personal thoughts of desire that keep appearing in your mind. If the thought isn't soul or group related, it is best to just quiet the mind as much as possible. Observe your thoughts and see if they are worth continuing or better left to die of inattention. I... I 
you know, it, it, it's also helpful when you reach that point of ability to observe and let them die of inattention. It's like there's this momentary um, opening because now what do I do? <laughs> Wait, this is what I'm used to doing. Um, there, there's a void or there's a little moment of creative possibility perhaps when you catch yourself and and you can just the one I use because for just let good befall the world when I catch myself because then it's so easy to start you know continuing a train of thought criticizing yourself whatever you do but just when you, if you catch yourself let good befall the world Agni Yoga let good befall the world something because now what do we do when we let go of the glamour? What is revealed? How, how is the world without glamour? Vision. If we are consciously, I haven't been saying who sends these, Patty Bradley. If we are consciously and with a will choosing to impact or influence human will, how is it that humanity has free will? <laughs> ah. I'm not, mm. this could go in several directions. Okay, starting with just the, the free will, I'll just quickly answer is in terms of time. I do believe, I do think our um, ultimate ending over cycles of grand time is assured. Whether there's a failure of a, something like the moon chain, we continue to work. You know, the, I do ultimately free will is within time. But a separate kind of question is, are we choosing to impact or influence human will? I think that's why it is very important to work as a soul and not as a personality in this work. Because then you're working basically to stimulate and stand by and strengthen the soul of others. Um, Does that work? You're kind of working from a field of unity. And that's the difference between the black magician, I guess, and the white magician. Well, why don't we just take the little time we have left now, Marie Christina, to participate in an alignment with you. I think that would be a good way to end and then just lead us into a moment of silence. Oh, I, I, have, I have more than two minutes. Okay, okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. So gathering ourselves anew within our point of creative tension and Turning our gaze toward the soul. <sighs> Identifying with the soul as much as possible, imaginatively, fully. The soul, a group conscious entity. And so we deepen into the group field. Magnetic group aura of love, of light, heart and heads. And centering 
upon the work of dissipation of glamour. We name the glamour of materiality. the grasping of materiality. And sound the mantra of protection. As souls, we work in light. We take our stand within the light. We work, and from that point, we never move. And so we focus the dual light of matter and of mind. Fusing these two lesser lights, recognizing the light of the soul, blending and fusing the low light of matter, the light of mind, the light of the soul with the soul light. Contributing this triple blended light into one sphere of light. The light is one and in that light shall we see light. Momentarily turning, focusing the searchlight on the light of materialism We pause dedicating ourselves to the will of God. Focused, focusing the light on the goal. Will we we enable we channel the light. Revealing the divinity as the light penetrates into its darkness. The glamour Dis is dispersed, disintegrates, and the underlying permeating love underneath all emerges, reflecting a mirror cleanse. And refocusing, turning our attention away from the astral, refocusing on the mental, refocusing on the soul. Releasing all thought of the glamour. The searchlight of the soul is shut off. And we sound the own individually. So let it be.
and help me in my own life to end all glamour and untruth. Thank you, Marie Christina, and thank all participants. We'll see you again next time.